Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. So when your kid's behavior is baffling and yours is too, sometimes, yeah, I know. Let's take a break from all the bamboozle here on the baffling behavior show. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Baffling Behavior Show or the podcast formerly known as the Parenting After Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Goebel, former therapist turned author, educator, community creator, and obviously podcaster. If you're new here, this podcast is for parents of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many of the parents who listen have kids with a history of trauma, especially complex and attachment trauma. But over the years, more and more parents of kids with vulnerable nervous systems due to other reasons or maybe no known reason at all have been tuning in more and more. I have been so fortunate in my 20-year career to have studied intensely with some of the leaders in the field of relational neuroscience, which is simply the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human. Relational neuroscience has helped me make sense of even the most baffling behaviors in the kids that I work with, and yeah, sometimes in myself too, which has then offered me a map toward helping kids get the support that they need so that their nervous system can heal. On this show, I'm aiming to share that map with you. Today, I am so happy to introduce to you my new friend, Dana Abraham. Y'all, I've been following Dana online for years. I mean, like a decade, probably. It is clear when you meet Dana that she is on a mission, a mission to make the world a better place for kids with challenging behaviors and their families too. You might know Dana from her previous work on social media and her blog at Lemon Lime Adventures. Dana and I finally connected, bonding a bit over the fun and um, the challenges of writing a book. In fact, Dana's newest book, Calm the Chaos, a fail-proof roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids, is coming out next week, August 15th. Y'all, it's been super fun getting to know another author writing a book in such a similar field. What you're going to hear from Dana is that she gets it. Dana combines her experience as an educator with her lived experience as the sister to an explosive brother and the mom to a child with a vulnerable nervous system. She talks about how she came to realize that the most important thing to focus on was not changing her son's behavior, but actually how to change herself. Sounds familiar, right? We talk about that a lot here too. She's going to tell us about how she came to really prioritize 
learning and then teaching others about how we as the grownups, the caregivers, the parents, whoever we are, can hold space for our kids' feelings, how we can stick to our commitment to see and to welcome all parts of our kids. Okay, 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 enough of me. Let's dive into this conversation that I had with Dana Abraham. Dana, it's so wonderful to have this opportunity to connect with you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to have this chat. Yes. Let's just dive right in. Tell everybody about you. What are you doing in the world right now? Yeah, so I um I run a company called Calm the Chaos Parenting and I help parents of even the most challenging kids uh, create families that work together, advocate for each other, empower each other and really get through even the most, you know, challenging moments in life. Mm, gosh, we get to do the coolest work, don't we? Yes, we do. Both yes. of us. Yeah. I love that. So how did this happen? How did this become the work that you do? Yeah. So I I kind of joke that I was born for this because uh, <sighs> I was raised as the sibling of a very explosive brother. And so I had to yeah. learn a lot of strategies to get through that and ride a lot of storms growing up. And then I was a teacher in um, inner city Chicago, national board certified for 12 years. My favorite kiddos were the ones that came with a big, long paper trail behind them. You know, the ones that all the teachers knew and talked about in the teacher's lounge. Those were my favorites. Um, So when I became a parent, I was like, I got this gig Uh figured out. I am going to be the world's best parent. They're going to be showing up at my door, like Ed McMahon style, (laughs) giving me best parenting award. Absolutely. Um, That did not happen. Um, Yeah. Instead, I spent the first seven years feeling like an absolute failure. I think I used to tell teachers with my son, I would say, you've got a behavior management system. You've got some rules and routines going on. My son's going to find your loopholes. Just get ready. (laughs) Like That's how I kind of used to preface it. Um, but in, when he was in second grade, things got really rough. I mean, at that point he had already been kicked out of preschool. He had been in trouble in kindergarten. He had been suspended in first grade. And by second grade, he was uh, out of school more days than he was in school due to suspensions. It was really rough. Um, and, and he was pretty much getting, you know, he'd have these explosive meltdowns at school. And so he'd then get manhandled and, um, you know, put in isolation rooms and things like that. And so this one day I got called to the school and he was at it again, basically is what they said. And I walked in and they had him in a glassed in room and he was acting like the caged animal that they were treating him like. And every professional from the teacher to the counselor to the, you know, the principal, it didn't matter who it was. They all just like put their hands in the air and they're like, it came out of nowhere. There was no warning. We don't know what happened. And then I was ushered back to the principal's office and she said, you know, you got two choices. You can let this policeman right here take your son into custody or you can take your son home today and don't bring him back till you figure out what's wrong with him. Mm. And just to remind everybody, we're talking about a seven-year-old. Seven-year-old. Yeah. Second grade, Uh. seven-year-old. Yeah, and I was. know the folks listening, like I know so many of them are like, yep, that's happened to me too. Like it's still happening. It's still happening. And yeah. that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in that moment, 
one, it's illegal. If that's still happening, right, you do have rights and no principal should ever tell you take your kid home and don't bring them back, especially in a public school. Right. So, um, so just for anyone listening. Yeah. So then, you know, I went through all the steps and said, okay, let's get him an IEP. Let's get him the supports, the services, all of the things. But it was clear that with even an IEP and supports, he still wasn't going to be treated the way he needed to be treated or seen the way he needed to be seen. So I quit my job. I brought him home and, you know, I just had two goals. I wanted him to not hate himself for not fitting in. And I didn't want him to blame the world for not understanding him. I truly believe that if we could accomplish those two goals, you know, we would be saving a lot of heartache in a lot of places because I think that when kids have that anger or that that frustration, that's when it gets displaced into destruction. And so, I, so all I focused on instead of academics or anything else, and um, and that's when I started Lemon Lime Adventures because I felt so alone. I looked online and everything looked picture perfect. Everything, you know, looked like everybody had their their stuff together except for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to start a blog called I don't know. Jack, um, you know, insert bleep word. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I was discouraged from naming my blog that. And so I ended up naming it Lemon Lime Adventures for the sweet and sour parts of life. Um, and just documenting our ups and downs and in hope that I'd find one other parent who was going through what I was going through and yeah. what, you know, you have found. And what I found is that there's not one other person. There's millions of other people out there going through this. And like you said, even today, 10 years later, going through this. So that's kind of how I got started and how I ended up here. So 10 years have gone by. Yeah. And I am assuming that the work that you're doing now in your programs and in the book that you've written about are not parenting ideas that you necessarily had 10 years ago. Like you had to make some changes. Yes. Talk about that. I had, yeah. So um, I had my education background. And so I went back into all of my learning and everything that I had done and all of the, you know, quote unquote research, right. As an educator. And um, I must've been missing something. There has to be something here that we're missing. And, you know, then there was a lot of trial and error. There was a lot of trying new things. There was learning about sensory. There was learning about, you know, so many other aspects as we went along. And soon I started realizing that it wasn't this one thing I was missing, but it was that I was trying to Frankenstein everything. Mm. And that I was like, just kind of throwing everything at the problem and trying to, you know, solve it. So I was doing everything I believed in. And then I was doing everything I didn't believe in. Hoping one of them would finally yes. work. And honestly, I don't know if my son knew who he was going to get. I don't know if he thought, he was, you know, if he was going to get the mom who was there for him, there to advocate for him, there to support him, or if he was going to get the mom who had all of everybody else's opinions and ideas in her head, yes. who was acting out of fear. Yes. And I think he didn't know which one he was going to get. And so, you know, we started kind of testing some things out. The first one, like I said, was really just about building our relationship, helping him feel safe, 
building that rapport together and helping build his self-esteem, but not by doing like self-esteem exercises or emotion exercises or any of that. It really was by just listening to him and getting to know him and understanding him and, and, and not anything, you know, not, I'm not talking about getting to know his diagnosis or any of those things. I'm talking about truly just like, who is this kid I've got in front of me? What makes him tick? And, you know, once it started kind of helping our relationship, I started saying, okay, I wonder if I can share this with others. And at the time I thought it was really specific to how I was helping him with his anxiety or how I was helping him with his anger. And I thought they were kind of different. And as I started realizing that how I helped him with sensory, how I helped him with anger, how I helped him with anxiety, how I helped him with his siblings, you know, getting along with them, all had some common elements to it. And that about five years ago, we kind of stopped everything we were doing on the blog and we put together a program to kind of test it out and say, these are all the things we found. I think we've got a framework. Let's teach it. Yeah. Um, And we found that it didn't just work with him and it didn't just work with, you know, other really challenging kids. It worked with all kids. Um, And so we've iterated this process over and over again for the last five years. We found that it needed a framework um, and these core elements, like not just connection, not just understanding, not just the empowerment piece of letting him, you know, problem solving with him. But it also, I needed a lot of work, right? And I needed that you piece of like, I was the one that was holding it all together. And if I didn't feel safe, if I didn't have energy, if I couldn't remain calm, it didn't matter how many good strategies I had. It didn't matter how much knowledge I had. I couldn't access it. And so we realized that those four elements were really key because when we first started teaching it, we didn't have the you piece. Mm -hmm. We you piece in and people were making so much more progress, Mm -hmm. but we still, we felt like something was missing. And that's when we came up with the roadmap that goes with it. Um, And so it's this two-part process and it's, you've got these elements, you know, you connect, understand, empower, Mm -hmm. and then you, we realized that people couldn't access it when they're surviving the storm, when they're in survival mode. And so they needed to a way to use these four elements in the most simplest format. And then they could start evolving that plan or the framework as they progressed in their relationship with their kid. And so we, we don't start with the routines. We don't start with the structure. We don't start with um, even the problem solving or the, the collaborative conversations because there's no trust built. There's no safety built. And so that's where the roadmap was built as well. So, um, and then that brings us to 10 years, right? Yeah. And so here we are, and now we've done the the Calm the Chaos program with over 10,000 families around the world with every challenge you could ever think of um, from the most challenging to a toddler tantrum in target, you know, just everyday children behaviors to like the most catastrophic, like, you know, kids are having police called on them or, you know, things like that. So, um, and I've just seen so much transformation in families at this point that I just, it's brought me hope. My family is in such a better place. Like we, my son, I was telling you before we started, but my son just graduated from high school. Um, 
And I, you know, I was telling someone, I didn't know if we were going to make it through second grade, let alone see him walk the stage and see him Mm. sit in a public school crowd, you know, and sit through an hour long graduation. And he was so proud and he was so excited and just that he made it, that he got to the end of the road. And yesterday he um, came over said, I'm really proud of you, buddy. And he just gave me a hug, a kid that didn't hug me till he was about 10. Mm. Um, he sideways hugged me because that's what he does. And he goes, thanks for getting me here. Yeah. And it was just like, all right, wow. Like yeah. we're ready for the next chapter, but this is mm. proof that it works, that that you can create an amazing relationship with your kid, no matter how much they're, they're struggling or how challenging their behaviors are. So. I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and that I want you to listen to in this specific order. And I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingoblecom slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe. And then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. I think there's something, I don't know the right word is, I want to say metaphorical, but that's probably not the right word, about your son kind of reaching the stage of life just as your book is coming into the world. You know, it's, it's like we got him here and now there's this like kind of new chapter of yeah. all these other families yeah. that get to be helped. It's, oh. I didn't even put the timing together until just recently. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 yeah. years. Yeah. And, you know, I think something came across my feed and it was like, you know, I, there was a post and it was me saying, does anyone know what to do for a kid with sensory? I don't know what sensory is. Can anyone help me? You know, and then there was another post and it was like the year before he, he got kicked out of school. And then it was like, you know, what do I do to advocate for my kid at school? And it was like me not knowing what I was yeah. doing and me still piecing things together. And 10 years ago, um, and then I saw the post that said, it's weird to not go to school today, like to mm. wake up and not go teach today. Mm. Um, and that you know, was like, okay, so this was it. 10 years ago is when it all started. And obviously this isn't a culmination, but it almost feels like it does feel like this huge milestone. Mm. You know, someone in my program said the other day, because I told them about the graduation before I told anyone else, because I had all kinds of mixed emotions. And they said, well, of course you have mixed emotions. Like this isn't just a huge win for him or for your family. It's a huge win for all of us, all of us. And obviously we've had teenagers in our program. We've had kids graduate, but for the kid that is in all the stories that Mm. my community has watched, they've watched me talk about 
you know, there's a video on Facebook somewhere called the day DCFS came, right? And I'm sharing the day that, the day it happened. Um, And there's, so my community has watched this unfold for the last 10 years. So it's, I'm going to try not to cry. Like it's a, it's a win for all of us. Mm, No kidding. Raising a kid who doesn't fit the mold or who isn't understood or is challenging in any way. Yeah. 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 I want to hear about how, as a teacher, you focused on getting to know him. Like Mm -hmm. you set aside academics or thinking about like, we got to make sure he doesn't fall behind in school. Mm -hmm. And a part of you just knew like, no, I need to get to know this kid. And also I loved what you said about focus on like his connection to himself and not with, you know, self-esteem worksheets or I know I'm a play therapist, so there's like one manjillion, um, yeah. or I was a play therapist, but there's so many activities to like yeah. grow kids' self-esteem. It's like kids need us to see them. Yeah, yeah. And then we can play those games. Yeah, 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 totally. And then we, so I think, totally. I think part of it came from, I was an early childhood teacher, uh-huh. right? So my favorite was pre-K and kindergarten. Okay. Honestly, my favorite was kinder because kindergarten they have communication skills. They are starting to be aware of other people, right? They're starting to like come into their own little mm-hmm. personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously at three and four, they've got it, but kindergarten's yeah. a big year. Yeah. And so those were my favorites. And I think that bringing him home, that was part of it. it there was definitely a big piece that was like, we should be reading, but we should be doing math, but we should be, we should be, we should be. And there's moments, I mean, there's moments even just months ago where, you know, everyone else is sending off applications or visiting schools, or I guess last year, right? Sending off applications, visiting schools. And then this year, everyone's announcing their scholarships that their kids got. And now, you know, in the last month, people say, you know, well, what's next? Where's he going to school? Oh, he's taking a gap year. I'm like, no, he's going to have a gap life. Like, I don't really care where he goes. He's going to have a gap life. I love that. (laughs) That's just going to have to come up with something to say because I've been asked so often. And he he was causing so much stress for him. This is ultimate, ultimate transition for him. He doesn't know what's next. Yeah. And when he doesn't know what's next, right? Two weeks before prom, he was a hot mess. I mean, he was, this is the last time he's been argumentative with us. Like, I would like to say, I can't remember the last day we had an argument or we fought or he had a blow up, but it was right before prom Mm -hmm. because he was so stressed about prom. And, you know, so it's funny because back then and throughout all the way up until just weeks ago, I'm like, Maybe I failed him. Mm. I should have pushed him more. I should have had him get better because he could be. He could, right? This kid's got 141 IQ, right? Like he is brilliant. Yeah. And also there's another part of his brain that works differently. And so and just as valid part, right? Like and it's just as valid. It's It's not not better or worse. Nope. It's completely perfect. 
Yes. That college isn't his next well, step. Like, when did that become what was like? Emotionally, he is like nine. Yeah. Like nine to 11, he's still about emotionally nine to 11. You would never send a nine-year-old to college. Of course not. <laughs> like, they're not ready for that. You would never make them go live on their own. Yeah. Um, but because he's in a 17-year-old's body and because he has the cognition of a 21-year-old. Yeah you, all these things get placed on him. So back then it was, it was very much, I knew he was going to, I would actually say it was easier in the beginning to set aside the learning because he was young and I'm an early childhood educator. And I'm like, he's going to get it. He's going to be fine. We've got plenty of time. Mm, I would say 10th grade. I started going, Oh, F. (laughs) We don't have lots of time. We've got two years. What do I do? And I started placing so much pressure on myself and on him. And I had to kind of check myself. And I would say like the biggest thing that is such a good reminder is this kid got straight A's in every class he loved. He got straight F's in every class he hated. (laughs) So like that is, it was down the line. There was nothing in the middle. There was, and when I say F's, I'm talking 13%. Uh, He literally went to class and did absolutely nothing. Nothing, nothing. nothing. And so. I find something about that, honestly, so totally (laughs) delightful. So I hope it doesn't feel minimizing that I'm like laughing my head off about that. I was like, I just think it's so delightful to for people to be just so true, you know, he's so like, clue. So he's so this. Sucks. like, why this should I do it? it? I'm not going to do it. Yep. He's like, this is dumb. <laughs> why would I do this? I'm never going to use this. You know, he finished his algebra exam that he had to take and he came out and he told my husband, he's like, well, I cheated. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, he said I could use any resource I wanted, any resource. So I used the like the exam I found online that had the answers. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so smart. But he was like, he said you can use any resource you find. And I was like, well, that was resourceful. Yeah, right? exactly. So, but he he graduated and he doesn't have to have summer school and he got all of his credits and he did not end up with Fs. He ended up with Ds. And he really believed that he passed. And he even told his brother, his brother was adamant about going back to school after graduation yesterday. He goes, why are you going back to school? I didn't study. I turned out fine. This kid is on his graduation day. He he is no more than an hour after his graduation. And he's telling his younger brother, I turned out fine. You don't have to study. See? I'm like, oh, dear God. No, Gina, <laughs> I think that is perfection. Honestly, I think if we could have a goal, it's that our kids get through and say, I turned out fine. I mean, mean, he's so proud of himself. He like, and I can say I had two goals. I don't want him to hate himself. I don't want him to blame the world for not understanding him. And I think he's there. I think he's there. I think we made it to the end of high school. We still have a long road ahead of us, but he made it. And this kid, when I say he got straight A's in the classes he loved, I'm not talking about PE and gym. He actually hates those, right? He got straight A's in sociology psychology, engineering, right? Graphic design, not easy classes because he thought there was an importance because he was interested. 
robotics, I could not understand last year why he was getting C's and D's and F's in robotics. Found out he doesn't actually get to touch the robots. Mm. It's all just theory. It's all just, I was Mm. like, oh, that makes sense. Like this kid is brilliant with his hands, but he wasn't allowed to touch the robots. And as soon as he was able to touch the robots, which the robotics teacher had never thought of, I don't know why. (laughs) So like the minute he was able to do everything with the robot, he got straight A's in my class, you know? So I think we have to set aside what we think our kids need yeah. right? and this idea that they have to get straight A's or they have to get good grades or they have to go to school every day or they have to fit this norm for them to be quote unquote okay. Because if I can help him now that he doesn't have the school stress, he has so much educational trauma from his early years the getting him out of school, he's a different kid today than he was two days ago because school is done, right? Because he's just like, I don't have to worry about going to a place where half the people don't like me. Mm. I don't have to go to a place where for half the day I'm doing things that I don't like. And now he's finally saying, maybe I can, you know, take some art classes. Maybe I can take some video editing classes. Maybe I can take some this. And he's starting to open up the idea that he wants to learn. And he's realizing it was school he didn't like not learning. And that's really cool. And I think the more we can do that for kids and help them realize that it's not the the learning and the growing and the that sort of thing that they don't like, it's these co- like molds that we've put in place. What I'm hearing you say is you achieved your goal, that he feels seen and known and is cool with like who people see and know him to be. Yeah. That's I did. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think better than grades. That's the best thing because no matter what he does, right? Like there's someone across the street who has a tragic story who they, their son, um, you know, went off to college, went into engineering because that's what his dad wanted him to do. And, and he got straight A's and he was on honors and he got scholarships. And then, you know, in his twenties, you know, something happened and he's no longer here anymore. Yeah. You know, and, I would much rather my son like himself and like others and live a long, happy life and never have a career than work towards making other people happy. Yeah. Yeah. So your ability then to take this experience of getting, and it sounds like some of it was probably pretty like intuitive to you as well as then combined with this early childhood education piece, which is like the most perfect population as far as this budding people that they're becoming, right? Like how our job as grownups, I think with that age is so clear to just like allow them to emerge. So it sounds like you kind of took, took some of that experience and then focus that in on this child who is who is struggling to live inside and then be inside these structures that just didn't uh, take into consideration him in any way, shape, or form. So you found all these things and you saw these things that worked for your kiddo. And then at some point must have had this realization that's like, oh, wait, actually, it's not just my kid we're helping, but it's me too. 
mm-hmm. and all the yeah. other parents of these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was it. That moment was actually really clear. Like, I don't know if everyone can pinpoint the moment that they realized what they're doing with, you know, the every professional can say, this is when I knew it worked with others, but mm-hmm. I do. I remember I was in my driveway and I had taught courses online for a long time. And I had, I didn't really know my students at that point. They just kind of took the class. I led them, did some coaching, but it wasn't really an engaged community. But there was mm-hmm. this one woman who I had kind of gotten to know mm-hmm. and we had become friends. She happened to live an hour away, like no, 20 minutes away. So we were, we actually became real life in-person mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. And she calls me up, I'm sitting in my driveway and she goes, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I've done everything you've taught me. It's not working. And, you know, I just got a report from school, 56 aggressive occurrences this week. Mm. I, I can't do this. I'm not cut out to do this. I'm going to have to go to the professionals and just let them take over and I'll just let them do whatever I'll do, whatever they tell me to do. Now, having lived this the years before her son was about the same age. My son was at when he was struggling, you know, the most. And I said, do you trust me? She said, yeah. I said, all right, I want to do one last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. I know you've got the knowledge. I know you've got the information. I know you've got the understanding and the compassion. And I know you have the skills. I know you can do this. You've been at this. You've been learning. You've been researching. You've been finding out information for years. I think we just need a way you can remember it in the moment. So that was when it was born. I said, what what are you going to do? The next time he goes to hit his sister or the next time he does hit his sister that will remind you that you're not in danger and that you guys can get through this and that he needs you. And she goes, well, you know, I remember when he was a baby, Mm -hmm. he would cry all the time and I just took care of his needs. Like he couldn't tell me what's wrong. He just cried when he was hungry, when he was tired, when he had a wet nappy, whatever it was. So maybe I'll just picture him as a baby. I said, okay, great. How can you let him know you're there for them? Like that you're just there. You're not there to fix. You're not there to solve. You're just there to hold space for him. How could you do that? She goes, well, I could get closer to him and like sit on the floor but I can't get too close because it'll kick me in the face. I said, okay, that seems totally fair. All right. I said, what could you do to remind yourself, no matter what he says, even if he says you're the worst mom in the world, I hate you. You never help me. You only care about my sister. I wish you were dead. No matter what he pulls out of his toolbox in the moment, what are you going to do to remind yourself that this is not about you? And that there's something else going on. She goes, hmm, that one's hard, right? Mm-hmm. She goes, so I'll just, I'll, I'll do a shift and I'll put a poster up that kind of reminds me, like, all behaviors communication, this isn't about me. And we always sing the Carly Simon song. Like, you probably think this song is about you. Yeah. So she's like, I'll just hum that. Like, mm-hmm. you probably think this meltdown is about you, don't you? Mm-hmm. She's like, it's not about me. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I can do that. Yeah. All right. And then I was like, great, how can you, like, how can you empower yourself for him? 
And so that like you both have a plan moving forward. She goes, well, I can just say like, I'm here and I'm here when you're ready and we'll make a plan for next time when you're ready. And I was like, okay, do you think you can remember those four? She goes back over the four. She goes, I think I can. She texts me the next day. She's like, it happened. He hit his sister again. Great. She goes, and I can't believe it. I remembered the plan. Mm. And I was like, okay, great. Right. Did it work? She goes, yep. She, he just needed me to say, do you need a hug? He just needed me to offer that too. So I'm going to add that to my plan. I'm like, okay, great. Now get that. A week and a half later, she calls me up. She goes, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? She goes, well, at school, he's down to one occurrence Mm. of aggression. And, but you're not going to believe it. I lost my cool in the kitchen yesterday. And he came in and he goes, mom, remember the plan. Just picture, picture something that calms you. And, and then do you need a hug? Okay. And remember, like, what's going on? Do you need to tell me more? And then he was like, you know, what's your plan for next time? She goes, he was using the plan on me to calm me down. And this is just like a week and a half later. Now, like, this is not normal, right? Like, I'm going to tell everyone that, right? Like, you're not going to get this framework. And then in a week and a half, all this is going to happen. She had done all the legwork beforehand, but she couldn't access it. And that was the moment that I was like, wait a second, we've got something here that we can build on, that we can test out, that we can try. And so our first set of people, there's 25 families, then there was 75 families, then there was 500 families, right? And like each time we were doing our own research projects, basically, and just really tracking like every single step and where people got stuck. And then we were like, wait a second, we need a bridge everyone's falling right here. This is a huge trap. This is a huge pitfall. And then they're getting stuck. We need a bridge that makes it easier. They can cross that bridge. And so then we just tweaked and tweaked every, you know, for the last five years, that's all we've done is iterate that very basic plan um, to create these five plans across the roadmap that can be used in any situation. What I'm sitting here thinking is that um, one of my favorite things to do on my podcast is not just to give people new information, but to introduce people to my families who adore them and who have decided that they are so important and so worth it that they've made it their life's work to help them. And so just hearing you be and watching you because I can see you and my listeners can't see you, but to just hear your like love and passion and enthusiasm for helping these kids and their families. I mean, I actually think that's way more important than any plan, which is also brilliant, right? Like the actual steps and and how you've had a a community that you could test it out with and get feedback from. And um, all of that is, is so brilliant. And I can't wait for people to go and snag your book and like, and read all that. But this piece of like, you know, and I know you know this, right? The families that we support are so alone. They're Mm -hmm. so forgotten. Everybody just gives up. They're like, we don't know what to do. Best of luck. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. 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 And so part of what I love about this podcast is 
helping these families see that like, even if they never interface with you again, even if they, you know, there's like all these people out in the world who are loving them, Mm -hmm. I think is so important for them to know. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for even noticing and seeing it. And it is, it is my passion. It is, you know, I, I hold our family really closely and, you know, I had a really hard, hard childhood. I have a lot of um, family of origin, you know, breakage. Yeah. So I really believe that these parents and caregivers that are raising these kids, like, they're my chosen family yeah. because yeah. you know I know that it's so lonely. I know that it feels like no one out there gets you and that you're the anomaly. And, you know, and we've been told that I get people who come to us all the time and they say, but your child's a complex case, right? Like that gets said to people so often, you know, or, well, we've done as much as we can do here. Yeah. And then they're just left with yeah. like, well, what do I do now? You know, or they've gone to every summit, they've read every book, and then they're like, but I've tried it all, right? And it is what you said. It's not about having all the knowledge or doing all the plans or doing all the steps. It is knowing that you're not alone. It's having that hope, and it's focusing on that one step at a time and being like, okay, I can do this one tiny step. And, you know, I believe that anyone that's listening to this, you've already overcome your biggest challenge or you're sitting in it right now. Either way, you have proof that you can go through hard things and come out on the other side. And I think that having that hope is all you need. And if you don't have that hope yet, I would say borrow mine, borrow Robin's, right? Like that's borrow the hope that we have for you because we've seen it at a high level. We've seen so many families between the two of us. I mean, gosh, the amount of families we've seen and helped, we know it's possible. We know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So Mm. yeah, I I think that's what parents need more than anything. I would agree. Well, you've developed this beautiful framework and everybody have had the opportunity to get my hands on this early copy of Dana's book that's coming out soon. And it's just this wonderful, easy to understand. I mean, I think frameworks are so important to take big, big, big complex ideas and make them understandable. I just, uh, um, what was I going to say? Understandable, implementable, but also flexible, Mm -hmm. right? That there isn't a step-by-step do this, 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 and this. I mean, if there was, y'all would have found it and we wouldn't even be listening to podcasts like this anymore. So what I want to wrap up today talking about is where can people go and find this amazing work that you're doing? So the book is coming out when? August 15th. August 15th. Yes. And they can go to calmthechaosbook.com made it easy for you. Just go there. And then there's links to your indie bookstores. There's links to Amazon and all the places where books are sold all over the world. 
Um, and then if you do pre-order a physical copy, please put in your information. We've got some pre-order bonuses for you where you can pick up some extra goodies for um, grabbing this and letting our publisher and letting the world know that this is an important book and it's an important message that's needed in the world. So the book's coming out and then you've also recently started a podcast. I have, yes. And that's at calmthechaospodcast.com. So if you go to calmthechaospodcast.com, you can actually get a free chapter of the book and then you can listen to the latest episode Mm -hmm. of the podcast. Wonderful. And then your community, you have a community for families. I do. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Um, It really is the best way to get into our world is to go to calmthechaosbook.com or calmthechaospodcast.com. Get into our world Um, You'll get some emails from us. And then if you are ready to just jump into one of our communities, you know, just message us back. But um, we we do have three different communities. And so I don't want to take up time sharing about those here. But the best way to get into our world is through one of those two places, through our book or through the podcast. Well, this meeting between me and you today was just a long time coming. It was, it was. I am thrilled to have this opportunity to connect with you and hope it is just the first of so many future conversations and connections. I love knowing more and more people who are out in the world just doing this good, hard, important work. So thank you for what you do for all of the families that you touch. I can't wait for this new resource to come out, but you've already done so much to change the lives of kids and families. Well, thank you. And, you know, likewise, like I, it's like, there's so much synergy between what you do, I do. And like, how have we not met, you know, like in, you know, so, and so I'm like, man, when I lived in Chicago, I wish I had known you were so close, you know? So Um, I think this is the first of many, many conversations we're going to have. And so I just, I'm super thankful for this conversation, for letting me share and getting to know you better and, um, and being here today. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids, but also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now... You can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. 
Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash being with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you could get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you could just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.